Hello and welcome back. I am your host of the Answers That Count podcast. I am Charles Musgrove and welcome back for another great show. And we're going to get some great economic data today from our professor, Joe Calhoun at FSU. Welcome back to the show, Professor Joe. Hey, it's great to be back. Thanks for the invitation. Hey, it's going to be good. So you want to make sure to stick around. We're going to talk about current economic data. We're going to talk about inflation. We're going to talk about the GDP. And time permitting, we're going to talk just a little bit about the $3.5 trillion bill that's uh, floating around Congress right now. So stay tuned. Be sure to hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell also. So you want to be notified when we post another video on it on your favorite podcast channel, the Answers That Count podcast channel. So thank you for joining us. And today, let's do a little good news, bad news. So as uh, economic data goes, there's always some good news, and most likely you can typically find some bad news too. So what's the, you know, one of our most favorite topics that we talk about is inflation. We've been talking about inflation for, I think, for probably over a going on a year now we've been looking at at the possibility of what's going to happen with inflation and unfortunately uh the good news is i think we hit a, a a real good point early on the bad news is our our fears have come true and that inflation is over double what what we want it to be i think the target that we talked about before is around 2% annualized inflation rate and as you know joe we've been way over that so What's the the bad news is we're over that. Is there some good news associated with the with the trajectory of the inflation rate that last came out? Yes, it, it absolutely is a good news, bad news situation. The bad news is that on an annualized basis, which means the most recent 12 months, the inflation rate is 5.3%. Now, as you mentioned a moment ago, the target publicly stated by the Federal Reserve Bank of the United States is 2%. So we're well above their target. If you had to grade the Fed right now that says we're targeting two and you look at their report card and it comes in at 5.3, you'd probably give them uh, a D or maybe even an F in terms of uh, hitting their target. However, there is some good news. Last month, the annualized rate was 5.4. Now you may say, well, that's not too much to get excited about. We came from 5.4 to 5.3, but that is a bit of good news. At least we're starting to go downward. Hopefully this is the beginning of a trend. Now I do fully recognize that one month does not make a trend. One month simply means you have one data point. Right. But if we can say, all right, we peaked at 5.4 and now we're starting to come down. Hopefully this is the first of many months in a row where we're going to see that start to come down a little bit and not just a little bit, but we really need to get back to two. Yeah, I think so too, because it's, um, you know, we talk about economic terms and, and theory and data and inflation is one of those that, that really hits your pocketbook. It hits my pocketbook. Every person that as a consumer that spends money, it hits their pocketbook and it makes the goods more expensive. So it takes more earnings. It, it uses more of your discretionary income or more of the income money that you have just to survive, just to live, to buy food, to buy gas that goes in the car. So the basic necessities cost more to live. That's that's a real burden on the American people. Oh, absolutely. Inflation is a literal monetary thief. It robs you of the ability to buy goods and services. And the bigger inflation is in terms of the number, the percentage, the bigger the thief it is. 
the other way to think about it is let's think about running around the track. Uh, if inflation is chasing you, but is a pretty slow chase, you don't have to run very fast to keep in front of it. But if you have a, a very fast moving inflation, you, that means you need to move faster just to keep ahead of it. And you see this all the time. I mean, you just drive by uh, any gas station and you're going to see a number higher today than you saw even a month ago, certainly much higher than what you saw a year ago. Uh, I drove by this morning and most of the gas stations I drove by in Tallahassee were over $3. I mean, 309 is now seems to be the the most popular number at the price. Uh, If you go to the grocery store and you leave and you walk out and you say, wow, I have a small bag of groceries, but it cost me a whole bunch of money in order to get this small bag. That's impacting every American every day of their life. So we do need to get this back much closer to two. Ideally, we hit two for sure, but we need to get much closer to two. 5.3 is really unacceptable. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's heated up. It's uh, frothy or whatever, whatever term you want to use for it. But it's uh, like you said, it's a thief taking money out of our pocket. So let's jump to another uh, economic data statistic that's that's often used and is very important is the gdp so uh that is tell us the last the last gdp number that came out uh, we've got some good news bad news there also so what's the latest and when do we expect the newest the, the next report to come out well before i answer your question let, let's back up a little bit and, and let's make sure everybody's fully on board with what we mean because you and i throw terms out that uh, that you and I know very well. Let's make sure your listeners know exactly what we're talking about. So GDP is the acronym for gross domestic product. And that has a very specific definition. Uh, older people in your audience might remember that the term we used to throw around is GNP, gross national product. Right. Well, gross domestic product measures the amount of goods and services that we made in the United States. That's why we call it domestic. So we're looking at a geographical location. So if we made something in the continent or excuse me, the 50 United States, as we define it, then that is domestic product. It doesn't matter who was there. So if you had a an immigrant, if you had uh, a foreign national standing on U.S. soil at some manufacturing facility and they made something that's in gross domestic product. Now, gross national product is where your citizens are. So if I was a U.S. citizen, but I was in a manufacturing facility in Germany, then my production would be counted in gross national product, but it wouldn't be counted in gross domestic product. Hey, that's a very good distinction. Thanks for clearing that up, too. So, so GDP is a, is a measure of production in a physical space, in this case, the United States, for a given amount of time. And then we always annualize it, just like we do with the inflation rate. We have inflation for one month. Mm-hmm. For the most recent month, it was 0.3%. But then we always annualize it because it's easier for us to think about things on an annualized basis. Right. So the most, and, and the other thing to, to bring everybody up to speed GDP is measured once a quarter. Inflation, unemployment, a lot of other of our statistics are measured once a month. But GDP is really, really hard to measure. So it's too much to do every month. So we measure it for a quarter, but we also get three numbers at least. So we get what's called the first estimate. And then a couple of weeks later, we get an update. And we just had our update for the most recent quarter in August of 21. So that was for the second quarter of 2021. 
our second estimate came out in August, and that put us at 6.6%. And I'll come back to the importance of that number in a moment. But the third estimate, which usually turns into the final, will come out September 30th. So for those of you who are nerds like me, mark your calendars. September 30th, 8.30 a.m. is when the Bureau of Economic Analysis is going to release the third and usually final estimate. Now, typically, there's very few changes between the second and third estimate, because once you get to the second estimate, there's usually really reliable data, but there's always a little bit more that comes in. So we are at 6.6% on an annualized basis for the second quarter, which is a really huge number. That may not sound very impressive, but that's really, really big number. So what we would expect for the third estimate is something right around in there. It would be highly unusual for that number to change more than about 0.2%. So if it came in at seven or six for the third estimate, that would be incredibly newsworthy right. because that would be a drastic difference from the 6.6. So that's so you the, can expect right around 6.6 again. So that's finalizing Q2, quarter two, which ended June 30th. So we're not looking after this final third estimate. We're, we won't get another report until... For the, set, for the third quarter ending September 30th, which we're not there yet, but September 30th, that would come out in what time period? Typically, the first estimate comes out four to five weeks after the quarter ends. Okay. So if the quarter ends September 30th, the earliest you could possibly look for uh, that third quarter first release would be uh, 30 days later. So that would put you um, early November uh, is about the time uh, that you can anticipate that number. So when you when you threw out those numbers, over 6% GDP, as I remember, typically what you're looking at for a GDP percentage is around the 3% is always considered strong. So if you had a 3% annualized GDP, that's, that would be considered a, a very healthy uh, a year for the U.S. Is that right? Absolutely. Your memory is, is very well served there. So over and it extended period of time, 60, 80 years, our historical average for real, which means adjusted for inflation, annualized GDP growth is 3%. So anything below that is something to be concerned about. Clearly a negative number is something to really be concerned about, but anything over three is really something to be quite excited about. So now we're at 6.6, so we're more than double Now, this is also very common because we don't have to go very far back in our memory banks to remember we had a huge negative number when COVID hit and we went in massive lockdown. I mean, that was a huge name. So you think about it this way. You dug yourself a big hole. If you want to climb out of that hole, you should grow way more than average. And that is our, our history. If you look back at the data and you look at every recession where the GDP number is a negative number, then when the recession is over and the economy is healing, then you have very strong numbers. You have something in the six, or excuse me, in the, in the five to seven range. Right. So this is pretty normal in that regard, but still first quarter of 2021, we grew at 6.3%. And now it looks like we're right around the 6.6, depends on what that third estimate comes in. So we've had two fantastic quarters on an annualized basis. So we are roaring back to life. And here's the interesting thing as well. 
Now, we have to go a little farther back in our memories. If you remember the 2008-2009 recession, which was very severe, mm-hmm. yes, we, we did not have strong growth after that. That's true. In, in roughly the eight years after the, nine, the 2009 recession was officially over, we barely made it over 3% in any one quarter. Right. And that was highly unusual. And it was very frustrating for a lot of people watching macroeconomics. Like we had a severe recession. We should be at least a couple of quarters. We should be 6%. And right. we never got there. We, we never got to four and we barely made it back to three. So there's a lot to celebrate with the GDP numbers because we, we, yes, we, we had a, a very severe downturn, but thankfully that was short. And now, thankfully, we're acting a little bit more normal in terms of roaring back to life with a couple of quarters in a row where we're 6% or better. Right. So that, that's a lot of good news there. Yeah. And the interesting thing is we have, we still have high unemployment numbers. Um, and if you look back at our, where we started the conversation with inflation, inflation is about double where we want it to be. So what the, what is is there a correlation or cause and effect between what we're seeing on inflation and the GDP numbers? Yes, there, there definitely is uh, some some correlation there. There's a little bit of causation, but remind you of uh, Milton Friedman's uh, famous quote about monetary policy: "Inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon." That is, if you pump a bunch of money into the economy, you're going to get inflation. That's the recipe. That's been proven to be true. Every macro and we've done that. will identify that. And we've done a whole lot of that. We've spent a whole lot of money. I just got another check from the IRS. I didn't even know it was coming. It just showed up on my bank account the other day uh, about the child tax credit. Mm. So thank you, federal government. Thank you to my neighbors who actually paid for that. The federal government then took your money and gave it to me. Um, so we've still got a lot of stimulus that's still occurring. So we did flood the economy with a bunch of inflation, or excuse me, a bunch of money, which is causing that 5.3% annual inflation rate. Now, hopefully that will slow down because that's the only way inflation is going to slow down. But there is a relationship between GDP and inflation. So when when GDP takes off, that means that uh, producers are making many more things. They're literally producing more items than they did before to satisfy consumer demand. Because remember, the only time a manufacturing facility will make something is if they expect to sell it. They're not going to make it and just let it sit around. Right. So they're only making a large amount of things because consumers want to buy a large amount of things. And part of it is because of all the stimulus spending where consumers are knocking on doors saying, hey, I want to buy, I want to buy. And the firms are responding to that in very predictable ways. So because we've got a lot of production, because we have a lot of consumer demand, then we are going to see a, a uh, increase in prices there. And this, these are the terms that you'll hear the Fed use in terms of the economy overheating. Right. So if your average is 3% and for two quarters, you're more than double your average, that is a cause for concern because that's not sustainable. And we like things that are sustainable, 3% GDP, 2% inflation, roughly a 5% unemployment. Those are all numbers that we consider sustainable. In other words, we can hit those numbers every quarter and inflation won't take off. Unemployment won't take off. 
we can do that for many quarters at a time. 6% GDP growth is not sustainable. You can't keep up that pace for an extended period of time, and it will lead to inflation. Is that is the is the GDP numbers, are those... Um... How how is inflation weighted into that? So, you know, GDP if the if the prices are already cooking up on that, then that's going to automatically make those GDP percentages higher. Is it is it inflation adjusted? Yes. So the numbers that I quoted to you, the six point three for the first quarter and the six point six, those are real numbers, which means we've done the mathematical calculations to uh, eliminate or account for inflation. Good, good. So, so that's in there. So 6.6 is a real number adjusted for inflation. Wow. So that that really is shows that, like you said, the production, the economy is really heated up. So that that's just not sustainable. I, I don't remember. I'm not asking you to go back into, into the memory banks or the history books on this, but inflation, or excuse me, GDP at that rate just... It cannot sustain for for very many quarters at that level, right? I mean, it, the analogy is is uh, going to the track. You know, if if you're an eight minute miler, you can sprint for a few hundred meters, but you can't sprint for the whole mile. You can only sprint for a little while before bad things happen to right. you in terms of you know fatigue and and other kinds of things. Same thing with the economy. You can only sprint at six point six percent for a few quarters and and then you've got to give your employees more money because they're working so hard. A lot of them are working overtime or two jobs or whatever the case is. Um, you know, eventually you got to replace your equipment because you just wore it out because you were using it so much. Yeah. Uh, you have to get a new building uh, because you're expanding your production so fast. So, you know, those, those are all things that are very costly in terms of you have to pay more in resource prices and when you pay more in resource prices, you're going to transfer those on to your consumers in the form of higher retail prices for what you sell. So let's jump to the the third and final topic today, and that is the uh, some of the things that you mentioned earlier when we talked about inflation, GDP. Inflation gets overheated as you pump more money into it. GDP goes up as there's more production. Uh, theoretically, people are demanding more products. There's more money to pay for those. So there's that's all. There's more there's more money in the economy, there's more demand. Uh, now, if you look at, this is a little on the political side, but that will affect the economy as well. So if we're looking at a $3.5 trillion plan that that's being debated right now, who knows if that's going to pass. But that just seems to me as a non-economist that you're doing, you're violating some of the, the principles that you mentioned for inflation and for GDP that's only going to compound the the rate that those grow at least that's a very high potential that that could happen so what is the what's the what's the correct economic answer to that question well uh, that's very, actually very difficult to answer because this is where economics and politics really get thrown into the same pod and things get really messy but what i want to do is just get your listeners to put some of those numbers in perspective so roughly speaking i'm rounding here a little bit but are, instead of talking about GDP on a percentage basis, let's talk about it on an absolute percentage. And, and again, I apologize, I don't have the exact number, but we're right around 21. Let, let, let's round up a little bit and let's say that GDP in total is $22 trillion. So now 6.6% bigger on 21 or $22 trillion is a really big number. That so is. that's the one thing I want people to recognize is 
3% may sound, you know, pretty low. You may say, hey, we should do better than that. Well, 3% of 21 trillion is a really big number. And that's something that should be celebrated. 6.6% of 21 trillion is now Ooh, that's a big. bigger number. Right. So, so that's one thing I want your listeners to remember. So then the other thing that I want them to put in perspective is if your total economy is 22 trillion and you're thinking about adding a spending bill out of Congress of 3.5 trillion, that is a huge chunk of our total. Right. I mean, take 3.5 and divide it by 22 percentage wise, that's a pretty big number. That so is. we're talking about a very important, a very large, both in absolute and in percentage terms, package spending bill. So the American public should be very much paying attention to this because this is a really big deal, no matter how you measure it. Uh, you know, if, if you don't understand what $3.5 trillion looks like, go do some Google searches and, and you'll get an idea that is a huge stack of cash. So we're talking about spending a lot of money and we need to be careful here that A, we're spending it wisely because we have to pay it all back. A lot of that money is going to be borrowed and somebody else is going to have to pay it back in the future. And do we really think it's that important right now to spend 3.5 out of a $22 trillion package on one act of Congress that's a lot to deal with at one time. That's a lot. And and you all, I guess the fear of that is also how much of it goes in and it has a recurring cost to it that it's going to repeat in the next budget. It's going to, it's going to stick or it's going to require additional funding on a recurring basis. So it's not that it's just a one-time hit of 3.5 trillion. If that's not enough, if that's not enough to be concerned about, it's, it's what, what sticks with it what new plans are put in place, what new programs are put in place that's going to require additional money every year. Yeah, that's the other thing. It could be that, hey, we're going to spend, and let's exaggerate, we're going to spend $3.5 trillion on this one thing. Okay, what well, does that mean then we're done? Or are we going to create a program that's going to continue for 50 years into the future. And right. most government programs actually continue indefinitely. Yeah. You know, you think back to the legislation we passed in the 1930s to deal with the Great Depression. We're still dealing with that today. Right. And now we're approaching, uh, you know, the 100 year anniversary of that. So, you know, the, the things that government does today usually stick around for a very long time into the future. So we can say that, hey, we're just going to spend some money now. But if you create a government agency, if you create a program, if you create something that people rely on today, they're not going to get rid of it in the future. So then it becomes what we refer to as a recurring expense. That means you're going to see it every year. Those are the things that really concern me in terms of, yeah, it's one thing to go spend some money now, but if you're going to promise then to keep it in place, now I got to pay for it every year. Those kinds of things get very expensive. Yeah. Professor Joe, we could talk for hours on the economy and uh, theories and, and uh, the intermingling of politics and economics. It's just a fascinating subject. So a lot of, a lot of topics there. But we're going to end it with, with, with that final note that you left us. And as always... Great information that you provided us, valuable information, information that we can apply to what we live today and with the economic life that we have today. So thank you so much for those nuggets of knowledge that you've given us. 
Hey, I'm very happy to contribute. Well, go Knowles. Have a great day. Have a blessed week. You've been watching the Answers That Count podcast. I'm your host, Charles Musgrove. Peace.